Hello again, I'm Mr. Clean, and with me as always is Wolf. And you know what time it is? Tool time? Come on. No. Come on. That was funny. Okay, yeah, it, it was a little funny. But I don't think our listeners are, one, old enough to get that joke, and two, interested enough in 20th century sitcoms to even check out that reference. We really do watch a lot of old stuff around here. Yeah. And back on track. No, it's not tool time, but it is time to talk about yet another entry into the catalog of organized crime. And today, that subject is the Yakuza. At this point, chums, you should know the spiel. History and all that jazz first. It's boring, I know, but Clean insists. Knowing these things is important, and it helps us. Yeah, 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 we understand our opponents and all that. Don't hand wave me. Can we just talk about the axe, please? The modern ideal of the Yakuza was born in the 17th century. Many believe they were born out of the kabukimono of the 16th century, which were basically samurai street gangs. They wore flamboyant clothing to match their over-the-top behavior. The acts of the 17th century, however, were not samurai. They were mostly street peddlers, people so low on the social totem pole that they were just inches from the ground. These peddlers would frequent Shinto festivals all over Japan. When they would set up at a stall at a festival, they would hire on other members of their social status known as Takaya to act as their protection. Huh, look at that. Their first racket was a legit job. Another group, the gamblers, known as the Bakuto, had an even lower social standing than the Tekya. Gambling in Japan was illegal, but there's a sucker born every minute. The Bakuto would set up gambling dens in abandoned temples and homes on the edges of town. Out of these places, they would run loan sharking rackets and, of course, the illegal gambling. Fun fact, the name Yakuza comes from an old Japanese card game called Oichi Kubo. The rules are complicated, but the worst possible hand you can get is an 8, a 9, and a 3. And the name of that hand was called the Yakuza. Huh, no drag. No dreck. Glad we didn't just jump into the current era now. Anyway. It was these establishments which gave the Yakuza its violent reputation, which it carried into the late 20th century. Many of the initiation ceremonies of the ancient Yakuza are still in practice today, like sealing bonds of brotherhood with shots of sake. During the Second World War, membership in the Yakuza declined as the people of Japan mobilized for war. But once the war ended, they returned full force, no longer needed to worry about the harsh crackdown of a military dictatorship. In occupied Japan, the Yakuza flourished. Many Yak gangs would even begin to recruit members as early as junior high school. During the 1980s and 1990s, the Japanese media, at the request of the police, only referred to the Yakuza in the news as Ryokudon, a name which means violent groups. This, as you can imagine, is at odds with what the Yakuza called themselves, which was Ninkyo Dantai, which means chivalrous organizations. The Yakuza today are some of the most financially powerful groups of organized crime in the Sixth World. 
They field tens of thousands of street-level soldiers and have hundreds of thousands of affiliates. These include various types of criminals, prostitutes, lawyers, business owners, corrupt cops, you name it, the Yaks probably have a guy for it. And they pull in an estimated one trillion new yen a year. The Yakuza have a strict, rigid system for how they do things. Jengi, most observed at all times. Jengi is like etiquette, but more like knowing your place than be polite. You're expected to know the people immediately over you and those immediately under you, as well as doing your best to know those who are at your level. Low-level yaks really only need to worry about other members of their gumi. Yakuza are rather xenophobic, and there are more than a few who are not metahuman friendly. Shortly after goblinization was sweeping the world, many of the orc and troll yakuza killed themselves rather than live with the perceived shame of being what they were. And those that didn't were surely exiled thereafter. You also won't find many women in the Yakuza, and the ones you do find most likely had to work twice as hard for half the respect. But when you do see one, the other Yakuza around her treat her with respect, and often refer to her as Onesan, the big sister. There are two kinds of Yakuza. Just like two kinds of Shadowrunners. First, there are the ones called Shirts. When you break them all down, just about all Yakuza are social outcasts. Some of the romanticized stories have them as orphans taken in by strict but kind Yakuza bosses. But really, those are either rare or myths. As social outcasts, there are those Yaks that embrace this and dress the part. They wear bright Hawaiian shirts, walk with exaggerated gaits, sport non-conforming hairstyles, and doing everything they can to say, I'm a gangster. And honestly, sometimes even just say, I'm a gangster. They flash their tattoos proudly and have no problem roughing up the occasional salaryman just for walking by. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the suits. These Yakuza are more discreet and appear more like businessmen than gangsters. They wear suits with their colors always buttoned up, no matter how informal the function becomes. The only outward sign of allegiance to a family may be a lapel pin of the Gumi. Or they may hide their affiliation in a tattoo on their wrist, which they take great pains to keep from the public eye. In the culture of Yakuza, neither of these types is wrong, and both are equally acceptable, unlike Shadowrunners and their views on the matter. So you might be wondering, with a system so rigid and complex, why would Yakuza need to use Shadowrunners? Well, just like all other jobs, they need us to do the things that they can't. Things that would cause a big stink if they were caught doing it themselves. Shadowrunners serve a purpose for the Yakuza. But, just like they need us for special work, don't expect them to treat you kindly. The Yakuza have a very high opinion of themselves, and you as a Shadowrunner are beneath them. In their minds, you should be grateful to breathe the same air as them, or to even be allowed in their august presence. So yeah, Yakuza are kinda dicks. I mean, I say that with respect, from one professional to another, but they're not that pleasant to deal with. And they know that. And they don't care. 
Now, your experience with the Axe may differ. They are people, after all, and people have different personalities and can change their minds often. But if you're going to get a job from the Axe, go ahead and buy yourself a Japanese etiquette Skillsoft. It'll save you a ton of headache having to listen to them talk dreck about your poor manners. There's a concept in the Yakuza called Ninja. It's a belief that since the Yakuza is a person elevated above the common man, that he is in turn responsible for protection. Sure, if a civilian gets behind on his debts, then he'll break his arm, take his wife or his children as payment for a gambling debt, burn his house down, you know, normal protection things. But when it comes to the level of collateral damage that we see in other criminal enterprises, yak on yak violence rarely, if ever, harms civilians. No drive-bys, no bus bombs, and if a yak's family happens to be taken hostage, as long as the guy plays cool, the hostages will be released relatively unharmed. Now the Yakuza have many rituals. An organization as old as them has hundreds, and many are completely mundane and boring. But one cool one is the ritual of... is a roomie? Now, the word Izarumi just means tattooing, but a quick matrix search will show you just how wicked sick these yak tats are. I mean, holy dreck, these are full body suits that take a full year of weekly sessions and run about six grand a visit. It's believed that the tradition of tattooing started when Jap Japan used to tattoo the crimes of an individual on their skin. Probably why most of Japan still sees tattooing as something only criminals do. Tattoos are very popular in the Yakuza, and part of it has to do with the ancient beliefs many cultures have that tattoos can act for spiritual protection. There are a few more modern gumis out there that don't like the tradition, only because it makes their members more identifiable. And that can be an issue. The Sons of the Neon Chrysanthemum, based in San Francisco, have adopted bioluminescent tattooing. Oh, I'll bet that looks whiz as hell in those clubs and back alleys. It sure does. The tradition of sake sharing we mentioned earlier is used to seal the bonds of loyalty and brotherhood. The ritual itself is not solely the domain of the axe. It's actually an old Shinto ritual that's used for a lot of things. Weddings, business deals, that sort of stuff. But the highly ritualized aspect, well, that pretty much is just for the Yakuza. Now, one final tradition to cover before we move on is one that has been popularized in media since the last century. Yabitsume. Finger cutting. This is a punishment for screwing up, and the definition of screwing up varies from gumi to gumi. But this punishment requires that a person bind their pinky finger in white cloth, take a knife, and cut off a joint. But most of the time, it's the entire finger. The freshly severed finger is then offered to the Oyabun, the boss, as an apology. If he accepts, then everything's hunky-dory. All is forgiven. If he didn't like something about how you cut your finger, say you yelped loudly because of the pain or you started to cry then it's back to the butcher block for more cosmetic surgery why the pinky finger though you may ask well back when swords were the only 
thing. The Japanese swords were difficult to handle in one hand without a little finger. With prosthetics, it seems like this kind of tradition would mostly die out. Well, in a way, it is. Many of the younger Goomies find other ways beyond self-mutilation to have members punished for mistakes. But the old hardliners still believe that it sends a message. And a few Oyabuns prohibit members who have lost a finger to wear their prosthetics in the presence of other yaks. Kind of sounds to me like a growing culture war in the Yakuza. Now that you mention it, Wolf, yes. Yes, there is. To briefly summarize for all of you, within the Yakuza there is a conflict. A conflict that everyone goes through at some point in their life. Now, as remarkable as the Yakuza are at adapting their criminal enterprises to the changing political and economic landscape, they have been firmly planted in ancient traditions, and the younger Goomies would argue that this has made them stagnant. Many old-school Goomies are ultra-nationalistic in their views and extremely xenophobic, and most of the old guard still despise metahumans. New Way Goomies, in many ways, aggressively break with traditions, many of them accepting women and metahumans openly, sometimes even in spite of other allied Goomies' views on the matter. But all this being said are just generalizations. There are no two Goomies alike, and one New Way Goomy may be accepting of women but hate metas, or vice versa. Or there could be an old-school Goomy that accepts the odd metahuman, but women and half-breeds are no-go. There are four major powers in the world of the Yakuza. These Rengo are unions of various Goomies united by the bonds of brotherhood or simply by a common ideology. The four Oyabun Rengo operates in Australia and around the South Pacific and holds a position in the Vladivostok as well. Now what makes this Ringo special is that the four Oyubun running this extremely loose alliance are actually the majority shareholders for Mitsuhama. When it comes to the old versus new conflict we talked about a minute ago, the four Oyubun are firmly unaligned. They seem to have a good fences, make good neighbors mentality. Next up is the Watada Ringo. They are a worldwide organization with syndicates in every major city. Oyabun Masaki Watada is a staunch traditionalist and he dislikes the new way. His gumi does not include any women, metahumans, or non-Japanese, and the subordinate gumis under him all followed suit rather quickly. Next up is the Wanabuchi Ringo. I gotta be honest here, we don't know a whole lot of info about these guys. They're influential with the largest presence in Neo-Tokyo, but beyond that, we don't have any other solid info. Now, if somebody that knows something wants to drop us a line on these guys, you know how to get in touch. And lastly, the Shotozumi Ringo. If you encounter a yak in the Americas, chances are they're a member of this Gumi, or a subordinate to it. Hanzo Shotozumi once held his allegiances to the Watada Ringo, but he broke ties with them over the way Oyabun Watada treated new members. Now, Oyabun Shotozumi, he's an old school Yakuza, but I mean really old school. 
He keeps the organization together through wise counsel and the awesome power of his Gumi to deter external threats. But beyond that, he is very hands-off, and each member Gumi is independent to pursue their own interests in whatever they see fit. Some Gumis are old school, like Shotazumi. Others are new way, and he accepts them regardless. But that doesn't mean there isn't trouble in paradise. In New Jersey, an Oyabun by the name of Hanjawara is consolidating his power base, and rumor says he might make a play for the top seat of the Ringo. Hanjawara is a devout New Way thinker and has offered big incentives to any Oyabun under him that adopts his New Way ideals. When it comes to what rackets the Yakuza run, well, everything is really the only answer. If you can think of it and it's illegal, the Yaks, well, they've got a guy for that. Man, this is going to be a long one. Yes, it is. We haven't really covered hierarchy or talked about ninja. Wait, ninja? They have freaking ninja? I mean, that's awesome. Why didn't you lead with that? I mean, yeah, ninja are cool, I guess, but I like pirates more. Okay, yeah, pirates are cool, I guess, but ninjas, man. Come on, just, just a little taste. Okay, okay. Yakuza are closely affiliated with ninja clans. Now, before you collapse from excitement, these are not the ninja of Hollywood and anime I'm talking about. These are people you avoid, the homeless you look away from, the janitor you never think, the security guard that you harass for throwing your drunk-ass friend out the bar. The ninja are independent of the Yaks, but they will take jobs from them. And the Oyabun are some of the best customers, after all. There. Does that satisfy you? <laughs> Alright. The Yakas are kinda cool now. I mean, they have ninjas and stuff. Well, Omaze, this has been another episode on organized crime. Hopefully, as always, this information keeps you alive just that much longer. Next season, we'll cover that other contender for East Asian Crime King when we talk about the triads. But until then, I'm Mr. Clean. And I'm Wolf. And this has been Deniable Assets. Good night. And good running, Chubbers.